lived in Poland, I lived with my parents, with my little sister and my little brother. We were poor but happy. We had a very simple toys, only one or two toys for each child. Children played together everywhere and parents did not have to watch over them closely because the town was very safe. Our neighbors had a farm and we would put on many shows for Christmas or other occasions there at their farm. Hi, I'm Heidi Illion, English teacher and homeschooling mom, and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we jumpstart our day in a way that celebrates learning and breeds imagination. We work quickly through calendar, math, poetry, reading, geography, science, and of course, our mystery story. Please feel free to pause the podcast or listen several times to answer questions and learn the songs. Read the podcast notes to prepare for each day. Remember to check out our Instagram, Brilliant Mornings, to see pictures, videos, and visuals for the lesson. Thanks for joining us. Today, my aunt Chacha Ella describes her poor yet happy childhood in Poland with not many toys or material possessions, but lots of time outdoors. They would put on shows and plays in her neighbor's barn, walk freely all over the neighborhood with friends, and if they got thirsty, no problem. There was always a neighbor ready to give them fresh milk to drink, or they could just climb a cherry tree and pick some fresh fruit. Is Poland still this way? Today, things have changed in Poland, so that children there have a very similar life to American children, and poverty has ended for most families. So poverty has ended for a lot of families in Poland, especially the type of poverty that my dad and his sisters experienced. Let's hear from my dad, Chris Graycar, a little bit about his childhood. On my typical day, when I was a boy, I would get up around 7 o'clock a.m. and then have breakfast and then walk about 10 to 15 minutes down the street to where my school was. After school, I would come home have something to eat, and usually play with friends outside. We kick the soccer ball around, or we shoot ball and arrows. Now, school in Poland were six days a week. So we went to school Monday all the way into Saturday. I used to love the holidays. Either the winter break that was two or three weeks long, or the summer, two months. I used to love to play a lot. We had a big backyard with a lot of trees, fruit trees, and we used to go there with my friends and eat a lot of fruit. I always had to help my parents with the chores around the house and also help them in a small business that we had making hats or making rosaries, which we later on sold, make some money that we could live on. Well, it sounds like you worked hard and played hard, Dad. It also sounds like Poland was an amazingly beautiful place with fresh fruit and lots of fun with friends. So why did you leave? As a boy, I used to read a lot of books, but many of them about America. 
I fell in love so much in this country that I always wanted to be here. So, at one time, when I had a chance, I left Poland and I came to America to experience this wonderful country and this wonderful people. And that's why I came. Well, thank you, Dad, for doing all that you could to give your children some amazing opportunities in America. And now I get to raise your grandchildren here and teach them all sorts of interesting things. Why don't you stick around? We're just getting started here with our calendar time. January, February, March, April, May, June, July. August, September, October, November, December. These are the 12 months of the year. These are the 12 months of the year. Today we have a new math activity to introduce. Pairs that add up to 16. Take these and make up your own math challenges all day long for your siblings. We'll go through them quickly now, but do it slowly later. 15 plus one is 16. 14 plus two is 16. 13 plus three is 16. 12 plus four is 16. 11 plus five is 16. 10 plus 6 is 16, 9 plus 7 is 16, 8 plus 8 is 16. Have fun. Now we have an original poem by Micah. It's using as many AI words as he can possibly fit into this poem. I'd like you to try and do the same thing in the next couple of days. You ready? I bail down the trail with my Hail, with hail falling down on me. It hurts so much, it's a pain. I hop on the train to get out of that hail and rain. The rail is bumpy, jumpy. The conductor on the train says, we'll be out of the rain in Maine. We'll be there in a jiffy. This is spiffy. I feel like I'm going to spit on the floor. I'm eating my s'mores. Wow, great job, Micah. Okay, while we have you with us, can you please tell us the mystery creature? It is a bat. (laughs) A vampire bat. Wow, thank you, Micah. And now, let's join the Pizza and Poetry group for the rest of their adventure this week. This quest for Copernicus' missing treasure began when my family received a package from the University of Bologna in Italy, where Copernicus studied. Maria explained to the Pizza and Poetry group seated on their bus as it pulled away from the mountains and toward the city of Krakow. She produced the package. They sent it to us because my family comes from the children of Nicholas Copernicus' sister, so he is sort of like uncle for me. He never had any children of his own because he lived for the church and science. 
This letter says that the package belongs to us because we are the living relatives of Copernicus. The package contained papers from a math professor at the university. His name was Domenico Maria de Novara. Uncle Copernicus had lived with him and learned all about math and the planets from this inspiring teacher. These papers had been stolen twice, but finally returned to the university after being found at an auction. Maria held up a piece of paper. This is a letter from Uncle Copernicus to his teacher. I will translate. It says, tell no one. I have hidden my calculations and drawings with Da Vinci's letter in the wall. Teutonic knights try soon to take the city. Here, the note was smudged, but it was signed with the initials of Nicholas Copernicus. If we want to find what Copernicus hid, we have to find some kind of a place where he lived, said Jack. When did the Teutonic knights try to capture his city? And what city was it? The group pulled out their books on Polish history. Some of them read on their phones. The Teutonic Knights captured and burned the city of Frambork in Poland, where Copernicus worked for the Catholic Church. Should we go there? asked Claire. Yes, Maria said. They stopped first at a university in Krakow, where Copernicus had studied. Here, there was an original copy of his famous book that told about heliocentrism, and it was kept safe here. The children filed into a room where Maria had set up a special meeting to look at Copernicus's book. Claire read, De revolutionibus orbis coalestium? That means on the revolution of heavenly spheres or bodies. It's talking about how the planets move, explained Mrs. J. They looked for any other clues in the book, but none of the children could understand it even when a translator explained the math in the book. The translator told them that even at the time when Copernicus had written the book, most people couldn't understand it, only the smartest astronomers. This kept Copernicus safe from too many people finding out what his new theory was and getting angry with him. After learning more about Copernicus and how he moved to different cities in Poland, they were confused. Do we go to Olsztyn, where Copernicus lived in a castle for Catholic bishops, or to Frambork, another place on the Baltic Sea where Copernicus did a lot of his observations of the sky, asked Peyton. Well, my book says that the Teutonic Knights burned Frambork, so maybe we should just head to the castle he lived in in Olsztyn. It was probably a safer place to hide things, and I just read that the Teutonic Knights tried to take his castle for the bishops, but with help from the Polish king, Copernicus organized soldiers that kept that enemy back. We have to go there, urged Wes. They piled into their bus for the ride to the castle in the town of Olsztyn. Micah and Jonathan noticed that there was a black van following the bus. That's strange, they said, as they told the others. Once the group arrived at the castle in Olsztyn, the children searched for the oldest parts of it, which would have been around when Copernicus lived and which maybe would not have been destroyed in the different battles. They used shovels to dig around the old foundations and tapped on the rocks and bricks that they could find. They worked for an entire day and spoke with historians and tour guides, but no one was able to help. At one point, Claire saw a man dressed in a dark hood also digging at foundations of buildings. 
When she called out to him, he ran, covering his face, and disappeared. You guys, Peyton said, I'm reading that an army from Sweden came here more than 150 years after Copernicus lived. The Swedish people destroyed the city. I don't think they would have left any important treasures here. I guess we do have to go to Fromborg, said Leah. This is where Copernicus lived for a long time. Even after he lived at this castle, he went back to Fromborg for the rest of his life. I'm sure he took anything valuable with him. After an overnight stay in a hotel, the group left early in the morning to visit Fromborg, where they found a museum all about Copernicus. Here, a beautiful small town at the edge of the Baltic Sea, Copernicus had studied the planets from his observation tower while he worked for the Catholic Church. Even though this town had been repeatedly destroyed, the children had a feeling that it was here that Copernicus had hidden his most important treasures. The Polish Chapel of St. George was very old, and the children waited until five o'clock when no one was around to tap on the foundation of the building, trying to find loose stones or bricks. They pulled out several bricks, but found nothing. All of a sudden, they heard a banging, and the same man they had seen in Olstein was digging around the chapel. The adults in the group approached him from both sides, and he started screaming. The treasure is mine. Copernicus's papers belong to the Swedish. We took most of them, but we will have them all. Several policemen and policewomen appeared suddenly, surrounding the group and the frantic man, interrogating him and the children. Why are you tampering with our historic site? yelled a policeman. We weren't, countered Micah, but then everybody looked at the shovel in his hand. Um, I mean... And Maria explained their mission to the policeman in Polish. One of the police women who had heard the children's story quietly pointed to a section of the Polish chapel. This part did not burn when the city was destroyed, she whispered. Claire and Maria snuck away and began loosening the bricks there as everyone was distracted with the policemen. Suddenly, one brick moved away, and another, and another. Maria stuck her hand into a deep, dark hole and pulled out a copper box. She trembled with excitement, working hard to pry it open with her tools. Inside were many papers with the same handwriting they had seen in Copernicus's book. Then there was a different handwriting on a crumbling piece of paper which read, Il sole no si muove. The policewoman appeared behind the girls and whispered, You have found the treasure. These are the words of Leonardo da Vinci. They mean... The sun does not move. While Copernicus studied in Italy, he must have received this somehow from Da Vinci. Look, there are drawings along with Da Vinci's note. It seems our genius Copernicus learned also from the Italian geniuses. And I don't think these sketches of the planets by both of them have ever been seen in history before. As a policeman escorted the children back to their bus, he said, Thank you for drawing out one of the world's worst ancient relic thieves. He must have heard about your mission and decided to follow you. This man is Swedish and it turns out he has many of Copernicus's old manuscripts which were captured by the Swedish army hundreds of years ago. Now that we have caught him, Poland will try to get back these valuable writings. Good work, everyone.
Tears streamed down Maria's face as she cradled the copper box in her arms. We have found the treasure, and though I'd like to keep it, I think it belongs in this museum together with the rest of Copernicus's collection. Thank you, Pizza and Poetry Group. You have done Poland a great service. That's great, Levi said. But we actually haven't learned the most important thing there is to know here in Poland. How do you say, can I have a chocolate ice cream, asked Levi. Everyone laughed as their translator helped them out. The two most important words in Polish. I'm glad you were here for the Pizza and Poetry Group's latest adventure in Poland. Continue making up stories about two numbers that equal 16. Write some poetry using words that have the AI chunk. Read all you can about Poland and famous Polish people who helped to change the world, like Nicholas Copernicus, Lech Walesa, Frederick Chopin, Madame Curie, and so many more. And remember our quote, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Check the Brilliant Mornings Instagram this week for videos and pictures and recipes from Poland. This recording was produced by Heidi Illion with intro and outro music by Matt Graycar. Guest stars were Chris Graycar, Ella Kowalczyk, Annette Cowenbergs, and Micah.